Greetings and salutations to our podcast audience. Hello, Hello. podcast people. Yes, we we are officially started now. We were talking and we decided to just about make a it wide variety of about issues. all kinds of stuff. We Not just really don't issue. stop talking. We don't stop talking. Joel was rolling a long time, but y'all won't ever see it. Never. He's going to take it off. That's the kind of stuff well, we don't want. That's what he says <laughs> until until one day he decides. You know what? I'm going to put this up on YouTube and mm-hmm. humiliate these people. So uh, since this is what we do now, uh, we should do a drink inventory. Okay. Deer good. Park Sparkling Triple Berry. Triple berry. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a You talk like it, about Ed? It. Is it yeah, good? It's, it's as good as any other sparkling water. <laughs> then not, it's not very good. <laughs> it ain't very good. Okay. I've got the Diet Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Which That's kind a, of a classic. It's a go-to for us yeah, now. for us here. Yeah. So okay. it's pretty I, safe. I decided not to venture out today. Good for you. I. Uh, it's in a thing. You have a you koozie. Can't see it. I have a koozie. Is with, it called a koozie if it's a Yeti? I know. No, it keeps it cold. That's all I you know. You know what they call that? What is it? $130 million for a Yeti cooler <laughs> koozie. What, what is inside of that? That's a fresca. I thought it was fresca. It looks like a fresca. And like I'm happy fresca. to have my fresca because I hadn't been able to find it for about six months. Yeah. You know, that aluminum can yeah, shortage we're right. going through now. You know, yeah. we have fresca in the fridge in a big bottle. Oh, in the big yeah, in the big bottle. I you didn't know just, that. You, know, you can't just pour that straight in your koozie, though. No, you but can. he's got a metal. He's got a thing. If not, we have 18 people who have left yeah. here at the church building. Right. <laughs> I'm drinking my fresca out of one of the big ones. <laughs> All right. Yetis. So, so we're done with that. Yeah. Everybody, I, I don't see why not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, well, let's get to it. All right. Let's talk about the topic we uh, started out with on Sunday, which yes. is very difficult topic to talk about, wasn't it? It it wasn't as hard to talk about probably as it was to listen to. Ah, <laughs> probably. Which, uh, that's true of a lot of things. Yeah. So. Yeah, I had a lot of preparation, so by the time it came ready to talk, I was ready to talk. Mm. And, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of preparation to get ready to listen, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, kind of somber <laughs> mood as we walked out on Sunday. Yeah, which but I think is an appropriate I, response very appropriate to appropriate the response. topic. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, agree I agree with that. Me too. Um, so, so for those of you who don't know, we talked about racism. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you... If you're just tuning in this and you don't, you go, oh, I wonder what they talked about. I know. Well, now you need to go back. Well, and exactly. in particular, probably the... the, the we b- talked about the wild triple berry. Yeah. No. <laughs> People were very upset. <laughs> uh, no, I think in particular, the part that was probably uh, most heavy hitting kind of on it that was most uncomfortable is talking in particular about uh, the the church, at least here in America, uh, mm. our kind of complicity in a lot of the problems uh, mm-hmm. in our country with racism and with racial injustice and yeah. things of that nature. And there was a section of the sermon where Ed took us through a lot of history of our country and the mm. church in our country and things of that nature and how uh, we have been silent, complicit uh, in in the spread of racial injustice, not just the uh, lack of stopping racial injustice, but also the no, spread of it. actually stood up for it for a Correct. long time, yeah, right. unfortunately. And so that was very, uh, you know, like you said, hard to hear, uh, but, mm-hmm. in, you know, important. Yeah, for me, I think that was the hardest part as a person who I have not been shy about since, you know, I, I love the church. I really yeah. do. I think the church, the power of the church is unbelievable, but to to find out that in history of our country, I really do believe what I said on Sunday that had at any point our church, the church stand collectively and said, Hey, this is wrong. Particularly back in the earliest of days when most colonies established with a huge church presence, it would have stopped 
immediately. Mm-hmm. It would have just stopped immediately. It wouldn't have existed. Mm. But we didn't, and so we, we still have marches going mm-hmm. on in the de- streets as we film today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you, no matter what you think about those things, whether you think it's right for people to march or not march, uh, I haven't met anybody yet that says, hey, I really do think, well, and probably somebody's going to now say it to me, uh, things are just the way they ought to be. Mm. Right. These yeah. people that are marching, they got no reason to march because I've heard people say they ought to go about it a different way. Sure. sure. But I just haven't met a lot of people go, everything's fine. Yeah. It's just all completely fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if there's any time in history where that could have been said about almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, but yeah. yeah. I, well, the, here's what I wanted to do to start off our discussion on this is, uh, is kind of personal for me, but I, I think I told you this today, Ed, there's a passage of scripture that I'd read my whole life mm. as a kid who grew up in church and always read it. I, I honestly, I don't know how we were reading it, <laughs> but we didn't read it the way we're supposed to read it, I guess, because mm-hmm. it always just, I applied it personally and not to a collective kind of way. And uh, it's found in Ephesians chapter two. And what Paul's talking about is what, what Jesus came to do, what he came to bring, what the gospel is uh, at its heart. And um, so in verse 13, I'll just read it. He says this. He's, he's been talking to the two groups of people that have been enemies of one another for generations, Jews and Gentiles. And this right. is who he's specifically talking to. But he's talking about that general idea of, of being at odds with each other um, about uh, to that group of people. And so he's speaking to them, and he says, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's clear from what he says here that the gospel is more than just me personally being reconciled to God. Right. That is a part of it, but there is another part of it, and it is about people being reconciled to one another. In other words, God wanted to create one family for himself out of many groups for his glory and for himself. And yet, as we just alluded to, we in the church have mostly failed to that, specifically in the area of reconciliation between the races. So, you know, you said something when you started reading that and confessed that I guess I've read this individually. Hmm. It hasn't really hit me probably until the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, when I really began to listen to honestly non- uh, American scholars <laughs> that would talk about the New Testament that I began to realize almost any time I read something in the New Testament, and I think it primarily is directed at an individual, mm. I am misreading yes. the text. Uh-huh. 
all of the letters are written to groups of people. Mm-hmm. And, well, I shouldn't say all. The books, the little, there's a couple of little books John wrote that are written to individuals. And then, the, you know, one Paul wrote. Right, that's right. But they, yeah. yes, Philemon. But most of them are written to groups of people about the problems the group is having. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jesus, I mean, God established with Abraham, and he said, I'm building a people, yes. a nation, mm-hmm. not a personal. It's a relationship with you that will become a nation which will go to all nations. Mm-hmm. That was always the design. But we tend to take the scripture and make it to me, and we miss the bigger meaning. And well, from those many nations, there will be one people. One nation one people. the other thing go ahead Nathan. no i was just going to say i think off of your point I've, I've heard people talk about this and, and we southerners are actually at an advantage in this in that uh in 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 the english language we only have one we only have singular versions of the word you right there's you but the greek which is what all these letters were written in they have a plural version of the word you sure. and a singular version and we translate all those as one word which is you mm-hmm. but in southerners we got a word for a, a y'all we got y'all. y'all that's right and so honestly when you read these things if you would most of the time if you would re- or if you would every time you read the word you you'd replace it with y'all I, I heard one scholar say about 80% of the time you'd be right changing you to y'all. Mm-hmm. Very rarely is it a singular you. It's almost always y'all. So when he says you have been brought near, what he means is all y'all been all brought y'all. near. Yep. Mm-hmm. All y'all been brought near, right? And even when he says, don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, don't you know y'all, y'all are, are a temple. temple? Each of your bodies together make up the body of Christ. And so there's so many of those things that we have taken to be, you know, this is really just about me and, mm. and what I do with me and my body and me and my relationship, my relationship to with God, God yeah. and all of these kind of things. And we've just really completely missed it. I think when you said it, I, I certainly had a very similar with this experience, with this uh, set of verses maybe three or four years ago when uh, I was going back through um, one, one of my first classes I took when I did uh, online college again to do, and I did got a, a a biblical studies degree. My professor who took us through the book of Acts, he really pointed out all through the book of Acts and all through the um, epistles, which are the letters that are written on the back half of the New Testament, how nearly all of them, the initial thing that he's addressing is racial reconciliation between oh, no. the Jews. And mm-hmm. he, he uses all of these he uses all of these things that now we've taken, even things like justification by faith and these kind of big theological things. Those were a framework to explain how God was doing a new thing between the races mm-hmm. that was centered in Jesus. It, it's yeah. not taking Jesus out of anything. There's this feeling for many of us to go, well, that's no mm. longer about Jesus. It is. He's saying the new thing Jesus is doing is about what's happening among peoples. Mm. And, uh, and to me, I also had the same thing of going, I have just read all of this wrong most of my, and because at, at that point I'd already been teaching among students and things like that. I got, I've been teaching some of this stuff well, wrong because it's a very Americanized yes. way of reading these passages. Because we are in a very individualized society, and we've come to even almost make that a a, a godly thing. Oh yeah, and yeah. and so it, you know, there's there's some good reasons why we've done that. Yeah, if you ask people what the American ideal is, you take care of your responsibilities, you do what you're supposed to do, and don't bother nobody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very individualized, help people as you can, 
But the main thing is you carry out your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You do what you ought to do. Take care of your own. Well, but, and even but, li- yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say even life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The idea behind that wasn't collective life, no, collective liberty, collective pursuit of happiness. It's whatever makes you happy. You have the freedom to do whatever makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not a collective idea. It was a. It was an individual ideal. So, you know, the implications of what he's saying in this passage is, you know, if that's true, which I assume it is, <laughs> to if we are, if Christ reconciled us together by means of his death on the cross, that's what, that's one of the things he was doing. Not the only thing. No. That's one of the things he was doing. Yeah. And so, therefore, now we have been made one. And then it, the implications of that are is if, Anybody in the body is hurting, right. suffering. I'm there. I'm I'm with them. I I should be right there behind them, beside them, suffering alongside of them. And that's I, right. And I don't think the church historically and even today is doing that well. No. And so the tough part, I think, going back to Sunday, you know, when even when I talk about the struggle and I talk about all the ways the church was complicit. There is this feeling, and it happens anytime we want to talk about racism. People go, "Well, I yes. didn't do any of those right. things. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I didn't do them either, <laughs> but I have been a part of the results of that. I've been a leader in the church for thirty years. That passage has not changed for the whole time that it no. was going on when they made the decision, nor has it changed when I was there, and I knew this was the intent. And even if I didn't have it clear in my mind, I have excused the actual working out of it and have never said to people, mm-hmm. okay, we didn't decide to do this, but we got to undo this. Yeah. Yeah. We have to undo what has been done because we do follow one, and his original tent was that. That's right. Because mm-hmm. I hear people say all the time, I was thinking about this with the, and I talked about the church at Antioch, and, you know, there's two, their leadership's two Jews. Two black guys and an Arab. Mm-hmm. Those, that's the leadership. And I hear people all the time when they talk about, uh, they'll say, you know, Abraham two, had two kids, Isaac and Ishmael, and those people have been at war forever, and they ain't ever going to get along, so the Arabs and the Jews are going to always fight. And I go, well, they didn't always fight. Jesus fixed that. Je- Jesus fixed that, <laughs> and there was a group of people for a long time. I mean, the church, it literally conquered the Roman Empire from the inside out, just by the fact that they were defeating these divisions among all these people that the Romans had overtaken, they invented racial diversity, and then we began to say, yeah, but, you know, we just don't like to be together. And we began to say, and they like things different yeah. when they mm-hmm. worship God than I worship. We make reasons why it's not so to cover mm-hmm. up the fact that God fixed all of that at the cross, and mm-hmm. we've decided to accept it and excuse it. And we somehow convinced ourselves that we're we're okay. We're we're what Jesus intended to be in that being separate. Then right. we can still be the church and and still be separate. Yeah, yeah. That sounds a lot like what we were fighting separate against. But equal. In, yeah, it sounds like separate but equal back in the sixties. That that's that's just. Ugh. Well, I said to our staff on Monday, and it really is what I was trying. And I get there were so many trigger words. <laughs> Yeah. On Sunday, I get why, and you know, causes us to move our faith sort of sideways and get our our feelings and the stories we have and the personal encounters and we have. Yeah, politics and in politics there. jump back in yeah. front. And I'll, all I was saying was, I'm going to talk as a white church guy, 
about the church. I wasn't talking about what we need to do in society. And right. all the, I was talking about what we need to do. And what I know for sure is from the time I was a little boy until right now, uh, your kids have never gone to school that wasn't no. desegregated. No. Where sure. Asians and if if a Muslim's in town, anybody who anybody who lives in this community, we all go to school together. We all work together in those kind of environments. We go to ball games together. We go to movies together. We eat yeah. together. We do everything together except the one place where God broke down all the dividing walls and we have decided it's okay to keep the church separate and the church was complicit in that. I think Satan's uh, going, okay, y'all can have all the rest. Have the just, rest. Screw, just screw up the one thing God wanted to fix. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all can have all the rest. Okay, I liked it when it was all segregated. I did like that. That really kept <laughs> it going. But if y'all want to break all that down, okay, that's fine. Just keep the church messed up. Mm. Well, and I think that gets to the point that really what this verse is getting at, and I think this is where it comes back to faith of Jesus has done the work. Like, the work is done. Yes. So what that means is when he says Jesus in his body mm-hmm. on on the cross mm-hmm. broke down the dividing wall of hostility, it isn't our job to break down the dividing wall of hostility. And I think that's the part that we miss. Mm-hmm. Jesus has done it. Yep. It is, in effect, done. Yes. What happens is when I choose to live with dividing walls of hostility, when I choose to worship with dividing walls of hostility— what I am in effect doing is stepping out of the kingdom to do there that. There you go. That's right. And so when the thing you just said, and I think that shows the kind of tangible way this is, though often the way the writers of the Bible use it is this idea of manifesting the kingdom. The way that we are choosing not to manifest the kingdom is when everyone else can somehow live with cultural diversity and can live desegregated, but the church can't. There shows there's a problem with our belief and there's a problem with our faith because we're missing the kingdom. Back to what you were saying, it's basically what we in the church are doing. We don't see it this way, but it is true. We're giving ground back to the enemy that has already been taken. He, He is still prince of this world. And so we choose to step into his territory, allow him to have reign. That's what you meant when you said stepping out of the kingdom. And we forget that that ground that has already been conquered and won by Jesus, we just got to choose to live in it. Yes. And what happens, and we still have all the marching and all that, and people go, well, you say it's desegregated, but everybody still, right, because... Without the power of the Holy Spirit, this all is going to be the yes. way it all, even though we create a form of it where we all work together and we do all of that, there's still hatred and all those kind of things that are going mm-hmm. on because the one place that it could be solved in the love of Jesus where his, the walls are down, we decided we're just going to make excuses why that one can't happen. Mm-hmm. The other ones, well, they made us do that stuff. And so we're going to do it, and we'll even act like it's okay, but there'll still be this stuff. It'll bubble up to the top. And the one place it could be solved, we don't even want to talk about that. You know, there was something you said at one of the early weeks of this, which the the, the point of it was not necessarily about racism and that, but it was kind of laying the foundation of where we were getting to. And you, you just – I don't even know you said it online. I think you said it as a brief aside – uh, as as often we all do, which is just like, here's a thought I just had. Let me throw oh, you it in, in, service, in, in the service and in live person. Oh, in person. Yeah. And so you said this thing of uh, rights. Uh, we all we all kind of buckle down and hold on to my rights, and that's not necessarily a Christian ideal. I said that two weeks ago. Yeah, it's online I mean. Andy. Oh, okay, maybe okay. Yeah, you yeah, did yeah, say online. Andy. So I think that idea, and I've heard Four many ago, theologians get to that, and I think it kind of just 
for many of us, it goes in one ear and out the other, and we don't think of it. And I remember reading a quote, and it may be Dallas Willard, it may not be, but um, it was a, a philosopher, theologian that said that what happens is when you try to do kingdom work without the, without the king, you end up with these cheap illusions of what it is. And so when they were talking about particular in terms of racism, what you get is this kind of hollow diversity, hollow tolerance that isn't backed by love. And so what happens is, and this is what I think we all are kind of acknowledging now, the versions of racism become more subversive. They go underground, right? The names we call each other change, right? We now know, okay, you can't use those terms anymore, but someone who wants, who still has all that prejudice in their heart, they just find new find terms. A new word. I find a new term. Mm-hmm. And I'm no longer being politically incorrect, and mm-hmm. I'm no longer saying this, but it's because it's not backed by love of the other. So now I'm being tolerant, right? And I can go to a baseball game with somebody, but I don't really want to love my neighbor. And so what happens, what you were saying there is if it's not backed by the Holy Spirit, and what I believe is if it's not led by the church, because that's the Holy Spirit's instrument to get things it's done. It's the way in God has world. chosen to work. Right. So if it's not led by the church, what we get is a. <laughs> What we get is these movements in society that do push things forward, but other things become subversive and they go underground, and it still exists because it's not led by God-centered love by the majority of us. And so as the church has neglected our job, our role to be ones who are, who are living in this kingdom of we're all brothers and sisters— then we have allowed these things. And when you say complicit, I think that's where a lot of us feel as we go, but I personally haven't done anything. But that's how complicity works. Mm -hmm. Uh, Me not doing things allowed this to happen. It's the same thing we try to tell our kids, and it's, you know, all the people my age are like, well, bullying's been going on forever, and we've been telling kids, Mm -hmm. hey, for you to watch it and not do something, you are participating in it. So now there's this big movement to get all your kids. you got to stand up and support the one. Complicity is the person that saw it and didn't step over yes. and say, hey, man, what are you doing? Mm. And so when I say, and I said this right after the George Floyd murder, uh, I, I said, I feel complicit. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because I've, I've seen this my whole life long, and I have never actively tried to stop it. Uh, I know some people now using the phrase white guilt. I don't have white guilt. I have real ed guilt. And yeah, that yeah. <laughs> there are things I know me, I have, I have the ability and it's been my, it's been every place I, there, if there's a problem, I want to try to fix it. And I have seen this problem. I mean, it's not like I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I just chose this isn't one I want to get involved in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just continued all the while knowing that my savior, the leader of my life, he died to make this different. Mm-hmm. And I just said, well, you know, there are other things. Somebody else is going to have to do that. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by complicit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it's true. It went, mm-hmm. Do I feel guilty about things in the past that I did not do? Yeah. Sure. I do. Of course I do. Mm-hmm. Well, and well, I think that kind of lament, which is not really a word we use a lot, but this deep sorrow, which often can be accompanied by guilt or cannot be accompanied by guilt and repentance and all that of going, there is this sin that has gone on in my life, around my life, in the lives of people I love, and I have not done anything to end it, 
that should lead me to some level of sorrow and and not just for the sake of there are people who are hurting, but also there is something in me that is unchristlike. Because I certainly think all of us, hopefully all of us would think, if Jesus were physically here with us, Jesus would not sit idly by while people are suffering and just watch and go. I don't know for sure what he would do. I don't know it, what he would do. It would it would not go without his notice or without his attention. Yeah. Not just yes. notice. Mm-hmm. He would be at work on fixing right. it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And so to to have a sense of I wish this were not so and that it would be a deep emotional thing. Uh there's there's a godliness to that and it doesn't have to be something that I think often when we talk about terms like white guilt in a in a kind of negative pejorative It's sense, rarely used positively. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, often what it is is that it's it's a it's a way to poke at well that's weakness. That's mm, mm. that's that's a weakness which we know yeah. is the way of Jesus. Right. Weakness moving into this yes. place of going, I do have this power, as you talked on Sunday, I do have this privilege, I have benefited from something, I am willing to give those things up to better serve and love the people closest to me. And it definitely appears as weakness, and it appears as it appears as a less than way, but the cross also was weakness and also appeared as a less than way. And we know, as as Paul would say, it appeared as weakness, but it was the wisdom of God. It was the power of God. Uh, and that's the way we've been called to live in. And it's not easy. It's well, not easy for any of us. And people who, people who see that wrong has been done and I have done wrong and don't feel guilt, they are unrepentant people. Yeah. And, yes. And that is not the way of Jesus either. That, right. that was the first command Jesus ever gave. Yes. Repent. Repent. <laughs> and, you can, and if you don't live in repentance, you can't follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, that, that, so back, I was responding to your idea of, you know, weak, or guilt is weakness. You know, that, not in the way that I think someone would say that, that <laughs> it really means weakness. It, right. It's the right. opposite. Right. Admitting weakness is always a start to getting better. Yes. Yes. It is always when you admit that you were wrong about something, you're on the road to something better. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, always. Mm-hmm. And, I, and everything you do to excuse it and cover it up, everything you say after you say, "I was wrong," "I'm sorry," but anything that comes after the but, yeah, you can't. Oh, say, yeah. You just canceled every word you said before that. Yes. Well, I think about a, a black brother of ours reached out to us and said, I'm afraid to call the cops to my house even when I need them because I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm positive that won't go well. Mm. And for me to then come back and say, well, let, just let me tell you, the, okay, but. They've been in your neighborhood before and they know what it's like. I, yeah. That I can't, that, that's just, that discounts every feeling that my brother has that, I am called as a follower of Jesus to enter into his fear and suffering and say, yeah. mourn with those who mourn. What can I do to weep help? Can, you weep. know, I hurt for you. To say anything other than that is anti-Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree on that. So, anyway. <laughs> so, well, I, you mentioned this earlier, and I had a question res, um, sort of along those lines. You know, we have this temptation to when faced with these uh, kinds of issues— and I say we, I mean us white folks, <laughs> um, to uh, there's something in us that wants to point a finger and, and 
and point to the needs on the on the of the other folks. You know, here's what if if so and so would do this or they, you know, we keep using that word they would change or do something, but what we've been saying in this entire series is that's <laughs> that is not the starting point for anything. Mm-hmm. Right. We have to turn that around and say now what what is what is it that we can do personally? Um how can we do instead of pointing fingers? So my question was, how did when I say we, the church, how do we keep that focus on us instead of doing that? What's often a knee jerk to look outward? I it 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 is almost impossible to go to any situation where you have not fully owned it. And all of us who sat with people who are having marriage difficulties, and I bet anybody here who's ever tried to listen to somebody else talk about an argument. Almost every argument that's not ready to be solved is people pointing fingers. It's yeah. people doing right. this at each other. Mm-hmm. It, and we all know the person on the outside is always knowing, hey, you know, this, this ain't getting nobody anywhere. Sure. It's why parents are always like, stop tattling. Mm-hmm. You know, you know yep. y- y'all stop that. Mm-hmm. You've got to stop that till you get the solution. Mm. We all ought to be adult enough to know that any point I start talking about something that is not about me, mm. Blaming doesn't solve anything. No. It does. It just doesn't move to. And I'm not, I'm talking about from if we're working here and we go, man, this carpet needs to be fixed, and those carpet installers, they sure did a horrible job, and blah 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 blah. I may be a hundred percent right, and the carpet is still bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get to the point to get beyond that and say, okay, now I want to make this better. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the only solution that comes, even on a little problem. So, honestly, I think, I don't know how to make it any clearer. When I began to focus on something that is outside of myself, there's a problem, mm-hmm. and there is something outside of myself that I think is the solution, I'm probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Or if it's something that you're going to have to do for me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But, you know, I think all of that gets back to kind of what we were talking about before of of weakness and the way of the cross and how it's so almost antithetical to everything we as at least Americans and American Christians view things, which is uh, owning up to my part of the problem, uh, saying I'm the one who needs it. There's humility in all of that, which, once again, humility by its nature in American ideals— humility is weakness it appears as weakness it's mm. it's me saying now what we know is anybody who does that we actually respect a little bit more mm-hmm. there is a power in that but that's the counterintuitive nature of jesus kingdom when we say things like you know jesus has this upside down way of doing things or jesus has a third way of doing things it doesn't mean that it doesn't work what we mean is it's not the natural way any of us get brought in what most of us come into every situation is is you know what we refer to as dichotomies of it's either this or it's that right it's one or so it's either i win or i lose there is no in between and there's this idea that jesus brings it of maybe you win by losing maybe what mm. appears to you as losing is what will actually take to win and so we really do have this fear i think there's a ton of fear uh behind our conversations about race uh, and once again, in, in particular, on the white side of things, there's a lot of fear of admitting the problem or admitting maybe I have some guilt over what's been done, and maybe there's a complicity behind it because there's a fear of losing power. There's a fear yeah. of losing privilege. There's a fear of 
uh, losing respect. There's a fear of something. And with Jesus- Well, and there's also a fear, and I, I hear this in people all the time, and we don't talk about this enough. It's almost the same thing I have with people who are in a, bound in a situation where they need to forgive somebody. They feel like if I own up to a part I had, mm. even if I had a little part, they're going to get away with it. Yeah. Sure. And before I'm willing to say what we might have done, I want them to own up to the problems they have. Right. And why don't we talk about how many single-parent homes there are? And why mm. don't we talk about this? And why don't we talk about that? And if they would do that, then I would. Right. But that's not the way things work. I that's have a, to yeah. – they may very well have parts to play. I have to own my part. But mm-hmm. that posture never starts anything. No. It's a non-starter. It doesn't. Yes. You get locked in it. Mm-hmm. Which is where we've been. Well, that's, where, that's right. In our, in our country for <laughs> as, as long as any of us can that's remember. Right. is And on anything, race, politics, anything. I mean, we all get that. That's where every, I saw somebody post recently. It was someone from our church. And I actually thought it was a good conversation on Facebook. I think it was in response to what we've been talking about here. And they said, um, can you... Both sides, whoever you're going to vote for, can you try and convince me of why I should vote for your argument? Not why you hate the other party, not by blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Tell me what it is you like about your candidate. And I thought, now I I didn't follow the thing and see where it all went, but I thought that's an actual – that's an actual interesting conversation because most of us don't enter conversations that way. What no. I know is if I'm a Republican and you're a Democrat or vice versa, nothing I say is going to make you change your mind. Yet suddenly I'm not going to get this you know, diehard Trump supporter or Biden supporter to flop sides after the end of my conference. What I want to do is just yell at you. I just want to get mad. I want to tell you why you're wrong. I want to tell you why you're well, wrong. Well, the platform of most of, of the political parties these days is I'm not them. Right. You watch the ads. Yes. And almost and that's on both sides. Yeah. I'm, you know, the far right so we're not the lefties and the left side is we're not that awful person and right. it, and it's oh good you yeah know, that's that that's supposedly the platform you're going to stand on right and so that and that like you said it's a non-starter we all get yeah. stuck and and i think what we've seen over and over again the vast majority of people in uh, american who don't really feel like i fall on the far side of either side just goes well i'm kind of stuck yeah. because i'm stuck in the middle of this these two sides are just going at it. And I think it's very similar when it comes to any kind of racial conversation, especially from, you know, our side of the aisle, the white side of the aisle. There's this feeling of, like you said, uh, uh, there's a fear. And often it's it's a power dynamic thing. And there's this idea of, like you said, of talking about fixing it. There's this feeling of, you know what will fix it? Is, since I got the power and I got the solution, I'll just go do it. I'll just go do it. I'll go. I'll go or, do the thing that I think will make it work without any sense of building a community and saying, which once again going back to the church is what the church is supposed to be, which is we all come and say, "I'm broken, you're broken, mm. Jesus can fix us," and if we all follow Him together, we'll figure out our solutions to this problem at Jesus and. Well, that feels like weakness because I do mm-hmm. got some good ideas. Yeah. I, I think I know how to fix this problem, and no one's really listening, but everyone's talking. Mm. What were you going to say? I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember, honestly. He lost it. That was, that was all really good. That's exactly what I would have yeah. probably said. Yeah. Okay. So um, if you thought that, you know, this Sunday was the end of that. <laughs> it's not going to be. We're it's gonna, not. We're going to continue after this for – yes. I mean, we're not just going to harp on it every Sunday, but we're going to continue after this. You know, my eyes are set on it, much like 
for those of you who've been around a long time ago, it finally got clear to me that we were not doing enough for the people that God is really concerned about, poor people in the country. And uh, when that got clear in my mind, I can be a little bulldogish <laughs> that when something gets in my teeth and I yeah. know it's the right thing to have, yeah. I'm not going to let it go. So mm-hmm. uh, our church will do something. We don't know what to do yet, but uh, we're going to continue to move on it until God reveals to us and we get partners. We're praying for those of you who want to help. We're really praying for a black uh, congregation that will work with us. We need community. This thing will yeah. be solved in community with brothers and sisters uh, of different races who will come along, and we will begin to get to know each other and work together on solutions in our community. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen in our country, but I know if we're ever going to get a solution that I was thinking when you were talking about the pseudo solutions, and I even I had never had really thought about it. You know, the kingdom value is I'm to love everyone always. And our cultural value is, I need to be really tolerant. We want to create a tolerant society. Hmm. Well, if you ask me personally, do I want to be tolerated or loved? Yep. Well, nobody chooses tolerance. No. I want my wife to tolerate me. <laughs> well, we well know she probably does, but it doesn't a make lot. me happy. <laughs> yeah, a lot. You know, but that's not what that's I'm going not, for. No. But that is about the best you can hope. And that's a low bar. It's a low bar. Tolerating But we really bar. think it's a high bar because in a... Nobody has told me I have to love you, and I can't even expect that from people. But mm-hmm. in, a, in a culture of the church mm. where everybody on the inside of the church, we should know I am I'm loved by God for no reason other than he decided to. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. he says then I should go love and forgive and welcome and greet, not in the way other people have done it for me, not even in the way I would want people to do it for me, but mm. in the way he did it to me. Mm-hmm. I am supposed to go love them the way he loved me, not the way I want it. Jesus raises all of that when he finally gets done and goes, here's the way, the way you've been loved, the way you've been forgiven by my Father in heaven. Go do that for the rest of the world. Mm. So the church, we can, I don't know, probably in my lifetime it won't, it won't work because this is a long mess. Yeah. But if we can begin at Community Christian, at least we can know we began something that down the road could get back to this ideal because maybe other churches will catch it. That's the way the thing works is that mm-hmm. as we take values and we raise it, and then we can go beyond tolerance maybe in a culture. Well, and I think it's encouraging for us that there are other churches that are ahead of us oh, on, yes. on on figuring this out and have been working on it. And so there are there's wisdom from other people that we're trying to learn, and there's there's things we're trying to implement here that we're learning from other people. And I think I think that part is huge. And, you know, I felt for uh, – and I know all of us did, I think uh, – felt for people in our congregation who really felt this on a, on, on any on any way that it hit you on Sunday and and and, and you felt it but I I did feel for people who kind of hit it and with fresh eyes for the first time kind of realized like you said and they did feel guilt and not like cultural no. yeah. you know guilt but like deep guilt cuz I, I like and I've talked about it here and we talked about it I know several times even just interpersonally about stuff I I do remember a, Years back when it had hit me, my own complicity in this problem, the people in my life who had tried to tell me how the personal relationships I had were not equal and fair and everyone wasn't treated the same. And I remember feeling tons of guilt. And guilt 
is is I don't want to say guilt necessarily is good, but guilt is helpful in the sense that it can, like pain, it can draw attention to things in my life that are not working the way they should. But guilt, if not handled correctly, quickly turns into shame, and shame is immobilizing. Yes. Um, you know, I remember I had just this long period of shame of, I guess I am just a racist. Like, I often don't even use the term racist anymore because I don't think it's helpful. I think there are things that are racist that happen, and there are systems that are racist, but I think looking at myself and going, I have had prejudice in my yes. life, therefore mm-hmm. I am this racist bad person. I think all of us have prejudice of some kind. It's directed at different groups at different times. And what God is trying to do through me is through the guilt and through the pain and through this awareness to draw my awareness to it and to enter me into, and this is a new thing I'm learning because you, know, you go to Enneagram stuff. My personality is not like to sit with pain. I just want to move on. I felt the thing. I know what the problem is. So now I'm going to go fix the problem that's not helpful mm-hmm. to enter into a system to, to a period of time a season a time where I sit and I go I have I have missed this and I have messed this up to enter into a season of time where I repent of it and maybe I've had conversations like this over the past few years where I've had to go to people and say I've missed this mm-hmm. friends of mine of color and say I've missed this I messed this up and I'm sorry and and entering it and saying, I, I'm now aware I want to do whatever I can. Not necessarily going to say, hey, educate me on the problem, but mm-hmm. going to them and just saying, hey, I love you. I care about you. I've missed this. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do some work on my part. But I want to, as someone who loves you, let you know I see this now. And what I every time it's terrifying. <laughs> every time it's terrifying. But every time I've only been met with grace. Yeah. And especially if they're people that I'm still in relationship with. The fact that we're still in relationship means they have had immense amounts of grace with me. And I know you mentioned on Sunday, and you've mentioned here, you've had several conversations with men and women of color in mm-hmm. our congregation. And I, I would say yours are very similar Mine are to all what I've... exactly the same. And mm-hmm. after Sunday, they could not have been more gracious. I'm confident I didn't do everything <laughs> that they would have said if they'd been the one speaking. And several of them we're willing to, and the honest truth is, I thought it was better for me to stand up. I'm the one that's been leading this congregation for a while, and to try to say it in a way that people could hear it. And uh, somewhere down the road, they probably will get a chance to speak to our congregation about their personal experiences. But there's no need for them to have to bear the weight that's of right. my complicity Absolutely. That's right. uh, for 30 years of not bringing it up. Mm-hmm. I just didn't bring it up. And honestly... For people in our congregation that you feel like, man, I wish I'd known sooner, you can put that on me. Uh, <laughs> I, I should have told you sooner. Uh, and, you know, we'll all work on this together. I, I had a conversation with a friend today about this, and he said, you know, on Sunday, he said, well, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, you say a lot of things. He said, you give it to us, and then it's on us to sit with it and with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit to figure yeah. out. And that's right. That's that right. is right. That is right. If you will just sit with it, And with the Holy Spirit, not in your echo chamber, which is Mm -hmm. why we've been inviting everybody to pray, Mm. uh, to go with us through the guided meditations, just don't go back and sit with people who you know will reinforce what you felt for a moment might not be right. Mm -hmm. Don't get reinforced on that. Sit and let the Holy Spirit open your heart to what might be true. And uh, I, tr- I trust you and God. That's, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I really do. If you and God will work this out, wherever you all come out on it, I'm okay with that. Uh, well, he's leading this thing. Yeah. I, we, that's another conversation for another time, but trust me, he's leading. Uh, we've, yeah. we've already seen it. 
that's God, for sure. God is in this, and it has been humbling uh, for us to, to see me. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so y'all continue to pray, just like we just said, and uh, pray for us, y'all, collectively, yeah. as yeah. we as we do this together. So, um, we're gonna talk about it a little bit more deeper this coming Sunday. Yeah, and- I just want to I want to end the whole series up of where we've been going with the whole thing the whole time. This will end the series, which I know mm-hmm. will give us all a breath of relief <laughs> at the end of this series. But I just want to sum everything up on Sunday and begin to give us some uh, next steps of how to go out and deal with all of this age of outrage and what should I do mm-hmm. with where I am now and I'm not pointing the finger and mm-hmm. what do I do with where I am. Yep. That's mm-hmm. where I want to be on the thing Sunday. Yep. So get yourself a ticket and be here in person, and if not, join us online. Join us online. And uh, even if you can't join live, it'll be on demand right cccanywhere.com. cccanywhere.com all the time. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) All right. We will see you all next week. Thanks for listening.